0: All right welcome back everybody this is mondays down south back at it with a second video of 2021 um as always before we jump into it uh please like the video subscribe to the channel uh help support us and uh check us out on spotify and instagram as well um but i won't uh, delay anymore what's up gents happy almost weekend
1: What's up, E? How you doing, man? Just getting through the week. It's been a long one for me. So, and obviously before the uh, before the podcast started, Si was talking about his crazy work schedule. So, I'm assuming it's been a long one for you too, Kuna. Oh, it has indeed.
2: But you know what? Very thankful for my situation, and admittedly, like having this podcast is always a blessing because we get to get together, talk sports. It's one of the best ways to you know get a little a little. Good energy going and uh, and uh, keep the week moving along. So I always appreciate being able to come on here and talk some sports, and appreciate all the people listening. So I'm ready, and obviously today's a big day for me in sports. So it's kind of uh, kind of worked out pretty well today, huh?
0: Yeah, let's do it for uh, for those that hadn't seen. Obviously today had some breaking news, which is perfect time for the pod. Obviously last week at the end of the episode we talked a lot about Carson Wentz and where we think he's going to go. Well now we have an answer. Carson Wentz is headed to the Indianapolis Colts for a Keep me honest here. Third round pick and a second round pick that could become a first round pick. I think I'm assuming depending on you know how many games he plays and that kind of stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, I guess Sai, you like to go last, so I can maybe or maybe Zach, you want to give your takes on the trade? Who you think? I'll teed off for you. I'll
1: teed off for you. So I've been pretty critical, and Ev has two of Carson Wentz over the last couple of months. And I mean, it's well-deserved. The man threw 16 touchdown passes, you know, one per game last year and 15 picks. It was completely abysmal. And, you know, he definitely deserved a good portion of the credit in Philly. But I was thinking about this more and more. And I feel like I've just exhausted all my options of critiquing him. And I'm now just like, I feel like I have to just like rebuild him back up. But I actually really like this. um, I really like this move selfishly I wanted Matt Ryan to get off the books and go to Indianapolis like you almost knew that Indianapolis was going to take a big risk probably the only the only real risk that they've taken in the last four years under Mr. Ballard and, uh, and Mr. Reich so you know they've done a phenomenal job assembling the pieces for this particular moment they need a QB and I think they landed the right one and the reason I believe that is because He's now playing with Reich again. Obviously, Reich was the OC in Philly when they went to the Super Bowl um, and then leveraged that for a, head, or for a head coaching position. But that was also Carson Wentz's best year statistically. I mean, he was on pace for 40 touchdown passes. Um, obviously, he got hurt. He paid, played 13 games, and I think he threw 33 touchdown passes at that point in time. So, I mean, he was on the brink of an MVP season before his injury. Um, and so, you know, very successful playing with Reich. Now the boys are back; they're reuniting in Indianapolis. The offensive line is amazing, and that's something that I don't feel like Carson has experienced in quite a while, just given the injuries of of uh, Johnson and Peters. I mean, Peters is old now at this point, so I, I really like it. I really like the. Uh, I really like what they could build, and I'm excited to see what a a confident Wentz with uh, the ability to throw will do in Indianapolis I'm, ex- I'm excited to see what could come out of that situation so that's kind of my initial outlook
2: ahead, yeah
0: yeah um, I, I definitely think like best fit for player definitely 100% um, I think great fit for team obviously as well I'll, I'll love this move when they pair it with a, a good backup quarterback as well because my worry about this, and I mean, everyone that I've listened to is is very much on the, oh, like, you know, this is, you know, the Colts fleeced the Eagles here because obviously, you know, it didn't take much to get ones, But but let's, like, be very clear on what they're getting. They're getting a guy that was last year with no offensive line and no weapons and a mess of a front office, all that kind of stuff, was, like, the worst quarterback in the NFL, the worst starting quarterback in the NFL, whose, whose teammates and all that kind of stuff, hated him for all we can tell um and don't get me wrong I think there's a very good chance that Reich fixes him but and his cap head is still 25 million for you guys so as much as I love that you didn't have to give up much and I do think this is you know a great situation for him and the Colts um I don't know if I love it if you're putting all of your eggs in his in in Wentz's basket without pairing him with like a decent like Jacoby would be perfect I don't know maybe it's too too expensive because then you're getting in the your quarterback room is, you know, $30, 40000000 million. So that's my one concern is that if you put all your eggs into Carson Wentz's basket, you're risking losing this massive window that you've created with how awesome you built your team because Carson Wentz isn't fixable is my worry. But um, if you do sign a solid backup that could come in if Carson Wentz is unfixable, then I'll feel a lot better about it.
2: So a few, a few notes, I'm going to start from a managerial standpoint. Um, the trade was second round conditional going to first. If he plays 70% of the snaps and we make the playoffs, they that second turns into a first, or if he plays 75% of the snaps, no matter what they, that second turns into a first round pick. So here's the thing in order for this trade to work out better for the Eagles, they need Carson Wentz to be good again, which is very hilarious when you think of the, uh, the irony there because you trade a guy away and if Carson Wentz reverts anywhere back to MVP form especially at his age then this is going to be a fleece even if they end up getting a first round pick because it's like you give a franchise quarterback away that if he rediscovers some sort of magic there that he used to have with back with his boy Reich like we're talking a guy that is worth all the money that you're paying for and something that's hard to replicate and uh, admittedly a guy they drafted so high and gave up so many picks for to get him it's it's uh it's kind of like it's not going to look good on the Eagles, right? In that way, but I'm thankful to the Eagles because initially they came out with some absurd talk of like two first round picks or some nonsense like that. Yeah, that um, was a bluff. Yeah, I mean, you <laughs> a complete like, bluff. No, like, talk, you want to touch on that? Zach? You want to touch on that? Go ahead, Zach.
1: What on the on the bluff? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was a bluff of other proportions. That's like me at the poker table. And I was gonna say that. that's my... like me at the poker
0: table. We yeah, neither of us <laughs> can lie. So it's like,
1: <laughs> I was about to say, like, I'll throw in I mean, just for a, a quick, a quick snippet of the for the viewers here. I mean, when we're playing, we were playing poker back in December. And every single time I, I threw in like a, a good chunk of chips, like we're talking like, I mean we're talking a couple of reds guys or whatever the, whatever the green, whatever the $5 one is and every single time I did that Sai would take this long look at me and of course I've gotten like a couple of other guys in the fold complete bluffing Sai would take one look at me shake his head and then just match me and I would I would come up without even a pair so you know I know exactly what Philadelphia is doing in this particular example but yeah go go ahead Sai sorry for interrupting you there No I was just
2: I was just cracking up because like they said that, and then you look at Matthew Stafford's price tag, and you look at Carson Wentz's price tag, right? Stafford, two first-round picks, another quarterback that obviously committed a lot of money and another pick. And then Carson Wentz is a third and in, 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 uh, high second. It makes sense because Stafford has been more successful recently. But when you look at when you look at Wentz, like, we're talking about a guy that was, like, this close to being an MVP. In admittedly, it's been a couple seasons since, since that's happened. But I will say one thing. Before I start talking about, like, what I think of it, what it means for the Colts, I don't want people to think that all of a sudden I'm, I'm like – Trying to give Carson Wentz credit when admittedly, I don't know if you guys remember, but throughout all last year when we were on this pod talking about the podcast or talking about Carson Wentz, both of you guys were out and I was the one sitting there being like, uh, at the end of the season, I changed my mind a little bit more. But the entire like first half of the season, if not longer, I kept saying, yo, no offensive line, no receivers like he had every single receiver hurt at the beginning of the season had his offensive line. Like, he was getting sacked more than, like, I think anybody in the league, if not top five, top ten. and Oh, definitely top five in the league and, uh, getting sacked. And then on, and he's one of those guys that likes to, like, take his time and make plays, right? Like, he's always been the guy that, like, improvises and, and uh, tries to make the big play. So, clearly, that wasn't working for him with that situation. And the other thing is Miles Sanders is good, but he was hurt at the beginning of the season. And they didn't have an established run game. And, and with the offensive line struggling the way that it was, they weren't able to be consistent with the run and then convert that into passing, right? So, all of that wasn't working. With that being said, his success was when he was with Frank Reich. And I spent a lot of time last week talking about how I think Frank Reich is a phenomenal QB guy. A QB whisperer, used to play quarterback. Everywhere he's gone, he's made quarterbacks better. And everyone that's come to him has become better. Phillip Rivers is your perfect example. We had the same concerns a year ago saying Phillip Rivers was a turnover machine in San Diego or in L.A., Los Angeles Chargers. He's going to come over to the Colts and he's going to struggle is what people said because he kept turning the ball over. And admittedly, we had a great season out of Phillip Rivers who was an old veteran quarterback that didn't have his arm under him anymore. And we converted that into success. My thought is if we can get Wentz to come over and even, I don't need him to be an MVP guys. Like that's not what we need. We don't need him to be an MVP. We just need him to be functional in our system and make the throws that are available to him. He has the arm to make the throws that are available to him. That's been proven in the past. The, the question is, can he regain that? And can a new system and a new quarterback and a new situation, a new, a new um, coach and the situation make it easier for him? And admittedly, if you watch football, our system is one of the easiest systems to make throws in because our entire game plan is lean on the run, short pass, and only take shots down the field when it's Truly like a good situation to do it like that's just how we design our offense like we're not somebody that's like coming out there like throwing the ball three downs every every situation like trying to go deep like that's just not our motto and he's coming in with a built offensive line you got Jonathan Taylor who just rushed for 1100 yards and, and re- caught 300 yards receiving in his first season as a rookie you got him and then you got Naheem Hines in the backfield who's going to be the perfect compliment for a guy like Wentz to, to take some pressure off him. You got one of the best offensive lines in the league and you got a st- solid defense. I'm super excited. All that being said, I'm super duper excited because I thought he was going to cost more than what he cost, and our alternative options. I don't think would have been as good because yes, there's more risks to this in the sense of, you know, he really struggled last year, last year. I mean, people argued that he was the worst quarterback in the NFL last year in this, in his, with his numbers. He really did. But the upside is so much higher than anyone else that we could have gotten and like Ev said, it's important to, to be wary of having somebody else that's a, that's like a um, a backup to to replace him. But was it worth the picks that we gave up to take this risk? I 100% think it was. Like if it was like a guaranteed first round and a guaranteed second round or like, you know, two second rounds and a, or three second rounds, I would feel much different because I'd be like, dang, this is like this is a little bit more uh, nerve wracking in the sense of it. And then on top of all that, guys, we got Carson Wentz and our cap room right now is at 140 million. The NFL cap, they're saying, is going to be 180 million. So we still have 40 million in cap room. We're still going to be top six to top eight in cap room, even after getting Carson Wentz. That's why I love Chris Ballard. That's why I love Chris Ballard. That's why I love Chris Ballard. That man, from day one, since he came into that front office, has always made the right moves in the sense of his signings, in the sense of his drafting, in the sense of how he handles money with his players, in the sense of who he's traded for. So if there's something that I'm going to do as a Colts fan, and I bet you 100% of Colts fan, or not 100, but the majority of Colts fans would agree with me, we're going to trust Chris Ballard and, and uh, Frank Reich. And our number one concern now is we need to go get a left tackle because Anthony Costanza retired. I know that's what Ballard's going to do. I know he's either going to draft one or he's going to move Nelson over. Or he's going to do something, and we're going to take care of that. And then the other thing is, guys, we have 40 million in cap room. Address backup quarterback if you need to, or draft a quarterback, or maybe we actually trust Jacob Eason to be that backup. Maybe, who knows? But the other thing is we have 40 million. T.Y. Hilton's a free agent. Michael Pittman's our number one receiver and Paris Campbell is coming back um, from, from injury. We have $40 million and we have Allen Robinson, Chris Godwin, and a plenty of other young wide receivers that are dynamic out on the market to potentially be able to sign and put on our team and also go get a corner. And we're sitting here in a very good place and excited. So all that being said, I know that was this field, but you guys know this was a big, big news for me. So I had to go in. I'm very happy with, with the decision and I trust Ballard wholeheartedly. I trust Frank Reich wholeheartedly and I trust their coaching staff wholeheartedly because they've given me no reason not to trust their ability to evaluate and develop and grow players since the moment they've taken over as our front office. So I'm super excited. Like I can't wait to see what Wentz is going to do with us next year. And I believe he's going to be a really, like a really good quarterback. I'm not going to say he'll be an MVP, but I believe he will be a good quarterback with Wright. That's just my faith in Frank Wright. That's just how I feel.
0: If I was a betting man, I would say it'll work. Um, to your point, maybe not MVP level. How he looked at one season. If I was a betting man, I would say it worked. But I think you hit the nail on the head. Like even if Jacoby Brissett was your quarterback, with what you talked about, with how good the line will be when you make some additions, you know, like you said, I, I expect them to get a Robinson a Galladay or whoever whoever they want. Um, like Jacoby Brissett could probably win ten games with how good the rest of that team is, and then Wentz has that ability to take you to like you know fourteen like elite elite status um and if you have that backup then worst case you know you could go to that and just be a you know solid playoff team as opposed to a you know elite team maybe but yeah we'll see what happens
1: i mean in 2019 carson wins statistically was 27 touchdown passes seven interceptions and that was with Exactly. I mean, running backs that I, I don't see. I, I mean, Miles Sanders is is a really good running back, but I mean, I almost see more potential in Jonathan Taylor in terms of an NFL standpoint um, and and, and in injury prevention, I would say. Also, you take a look at the uh, offensive line is incredible in Indianapolis, something that Carson has not been used to in, a, in quite a while. And he was still putting up those numbers in 2019. I believe they won the division and maybe Dallas did, I, I can't, I I can't remember off the top of my tongue, but overall, I I'm really excited about this opportunity. And I do think that that, like, I would argue that that would solidify Indianapolis as the AFC South contenders. Tennessee is obviously going to be right around the corner. And I I don't necessarily see them taking too many steps back, but I do now see Indianapolis kind of solidifying that position at the top of the AFC South. What do you, what do you guys think about that?
0: I think you're giving this move way too much credit when you say that, though, because I agree it gives them a higher ceiling, like Sai said, but the floor also drops until you get that back up. Does it, though? Yes, it 100% does. Well, let
2: me let me ask you this, though. Let me ask you this, though. I remember the talk about Philip Rivers, right? Here's the thing with Philip Rivers. It's not like he came in and was, like, amazing like Philip Rivers of, like, you know, four or five years ago where he was, like, you know, a top five, top seven quarterback in, in the NFL. Philip Rivers played good not great go look at his numbers and if you watch him he wasn't like you know making like 40 yard throws down the field or anything like that we won 11 games with that version of philip rivers the philip rivers who a year ago led the league in interceptions and um you know didn't seem like everybody said his career was over we won 11 games with him and that's my point like i'm not even i'm not even that's also my point though What, what what is it because it, like Philip Rivers, he, by the end of the season, he wasn't really making
0: mistakes. Like even a Jacoby Brissett as my point, could win 10, 11 games on how good that team is going to be around him. But if Wentz, if what they say about him as a leader is true, then players won't play for him. Like it'll just be a mess, which is how you could potentially fall out of the playoff spot. That's where the floor drops. And like, I think you're underappreciating how, and I get the line was awful. He didn't have weapons, but like, he was worse than Mitch Trubisky last year. Like he was that bad. Yeah, but and who is who was
1: he throwing to? The number his number one receiver was a quarterback in college and Greg but, Ward.
0: But there have been so many, <laughs> there have been so, so many quarter- quarter- and, and not to compare like him to like the great, great quarterbacks, but like so many quarterbacks through the years have had nobody and they've been fine um i mean i can't really you, think
2: of many i can't really think of many with no line and no receivers like you know that that, that just and that like, honestly like we got to blame the coaching last year too man there was like overarchingly there was there were struggles across the board for that for that team last year there's a reason they have a new coach which ironically is was our offensive coordinator last year is now their head coach and then they yeah. trade once over to us that's like pretty funny
0: but so how do you explain the fact that the team like immediately started playing a lot better with Jalen Hurts. Maybe a lot is a stretch, but like. There were one
2: think... in three. They were one in three. Jalen Hurts a lot. Was, a lot Jalen is a Hurts was a three to two touchdown inter- to interception ratio. And Jalen Hurts had the worst completion percentage in those four games of anybody in the NFL. So, we But that was still better than Wets. <laughs> but a lot is a stretch. But a we say stuff. a lot better. But the other thing is like, you. how many times do you see a quarterback step in where other teams just haven't like understood or figured them out yet? And those quarterbacks, like, ball out for a couple games. And then, like, you've literally seen it with guys like Ryan Finley and, like, you know, people back in the day coming in for one game, balling out for, like, a couple of games. And then the next year, they get paid or whatever, and then they don't turn it out. I'm, this isn't even me, this not Joan Hurts. Like, I'm sure he'll be – I'm sure Joan Hurts will be good. He, he's always – I think he's terrible. but Either but, way, like – But my saying. question is,
0: why do you think that happens? And this is my whole point about Wentz. Why do you think – that all of a sudden these like backup guys, when they take over for like big ego, like bigger name starters, all of a sudden play well. Why do you think that is? Because the line and the team around him, they don't want to play for those kind of guys that are all about themselves and are big egos. And that's what they've said about Wentz.
2: Sure, like, like I, guess, I think well, our guys do. Otherwise, we wouldn't have traded for him. Like, here's the thing. Like, we'll say trust. I trust. I'll say this one more time. I trust Ballard and Wright because there's no way they make that move unless they know that they feel that they can turn him into somebody that they can win with. And the other thing is he doesn't need to like a quarterback needs to be a leader on the field in the sense of like how he plays the game. But we have guys that'll lead, man. Like we have Darius Leonard. We have DeForest Buckner. We have guys that are going to go out there and take that. If we bring T.Y. back, he'll lead. Like we have leaders. Like all Wentz needs to do is go out there and learn to be coach. And the one report you will always see is, the one guy that he always listened to and was always coached by and was willing to be coached by was Frank Reich. And he very clearly made it very clear that he wanted to come to Indy. So I just feel like it was a perfect fit. Like there's no, there, like it literally couldn't have worked out any better.
0: I don't disagree, just playing devil's advocate. But like, those are the types of things, like those reports are true and they don't fix that. Like it's not going to work, period.
1: So, so I see what you're saying, but I think you might be reading too much into it because like, okay, in terms of like, the example that you brought up with wins playing horrendous and you're right. He played completely horrendous in those first, what, 10, 11 weeks before they ended up giving tossing or toting the rock over to Jalen hurts. And I mean, he had a pretty decent season for a rookie. Definitely. Um, But that rejuvenation and like the team rallying behind a player or like, for example, like a coach that recently got fired, like there are multiple instances this season where, Houston and Atlanta, like a, a head coach got fired. And then the very next week, they completely stopped their losing skid and they won. It, like literally the next week with both Houston and Atlanta, when they fired Dan Quinn, they fired Bill O'Brien. So my thing is that I don't know if it's necessarily a player or a, or a like, it, it's not just like a player. Like it wasn't like Jalen Hurts was playing substantially better than Carson Wentz. He was definitely playing better. But I think that rejuvenated attitude comes from just change. doesn't necessarily have to be because Carson Wentz was such a bad leader here or there. I mean, you're awesome. going to see players that start chirping at players when they're not winning games. Like you saw it with Kirk Cousins in Washington. I mean, Pierre Garçon, Pierre Garçon and – um Deshaun Jackson I mean they weren't playing great because Car- or Kirk wasn't getting the ball so they started publicly destroying him and then obviously everything fell on Kirk's hands my my thing on the matter is you never heard any of that chirping when they were winning games and they were winning divisions for what three of the last four years prior to this year
0: how much of that was Wentz involved with one I mean, and he he got hurt he in, 20, in no. 2019
1: in 2019 Wince was Wentz threw twenty seven touchdown passes and seven interceptions in twenty nineteen, and then two years prior, that was their Super Bowl year where they went thirteen and three. So he's With had Nick, really Nick, good
0: years. Nick Foles for the playoffs in the the back half of the regular season.
1: I'm, I'm just saying, never, you didn't that's how that's how players. good that is. You didn't hear any players chirping at that point in time about how bad of a leader was when him and Zach Ertz were lighting up the scoreboard. So that's my, that's my opinion, but it is interesting. I see your point.
2: I think we're forgetting how young he is too. Like, like it's not, this isn't a dude in his like, like early thirties. That's, that's trying to be like rejuvenated. This is a guy in his like mid to late twenties that's trying to be rejuvenated. Like he's still pretty, he's still pretty young. Like he's our age. Like this he's got it. He's got a shot. Like, at the end of the day, like, we'll, we'll see what happens. I'm just saying I, I got trust in our management and I got trust in, in Reich and him to figure it out and I got trust in the rest of our team to, to lead by example. And, um, you know, our organization doesn't put up with, with, uh, with nonsense. That's one thing that has been clear for the last three to four years. So if he starts – you know jacking up i promise you there'll be a contingency plan i, I know that i know that that that's going to be the situation so i'm not i'm not super concerned about that
0: and that's my point and that's my point is why you need a, a high-end backup and ultimately i agree with you guys i'm just kind of playing devil's advocate but uh, <laughs> of course of course uh what was i just gonna say damn it i was so, gonna wrap it up nicely wait wait so i uh, actually
1: uh, i really wanted to stay on the oh um, oh sorry um, go for it, I, yeah.
0: I just i just wanted to say my ultimate point was in in the media today, it's like I've heard, and, and even here, it's like everyone just has a whole laundry list of excuses for Carson Wentz, which I think is incredibly unfair on a lot of levels. Not that I not that I I, I think he deserves all like all the blame as well, but um like let's be let's be clear, he's been horrible for the last couple of years, and there's been a lot of bad reports about him off the field as well. So. But carry on to
1: the next time. I mean, well, I'm, I'm just not, glad he didn't go to Washington. Goodness, that, I, I, that would be I, 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 well.
0: I'm happy because the Colts, the Colts. You know, I mean, we never wanted Wentz, and they, the Eagles, probably wouldn't have traded to us to him, him to us anyway. But that just takes another quarterback's, you know, interested team off the board. So and one that had probably more to spend um, in draft uh, capital in cap space. So.
2: I think anytime I think anytime anyone has had success on a large scale level, even if it was for like one season, or and admittedly, like only last year was the only horrible season. Once is that like his other years were like at least average, if not better. Um, but anytime someone's had like success on a large scale and they're still young and they get traded to an organization that's good, this is going to happen every single time. Like. Like, no matter how bad they were, like, you'll see it with any example. If somebody gets traded to another organization and they had success before it, and that organization has won recently, there's always going to be talk of, like, excuses, right? Like, it's just going to happen. And I- I'm not saying they're warranted. I'm just saying, like, that's how the media is going to handle it. Like, it's, it's just the like, excitement in the moment. Like, a couple games into the season, you could see if he loses his first game, people might just, like, absolutely bash him, right? Like, that's that's what you're going to – that's how the media works. And, like, that's, that's just what we're going to have to get- be accustomed to. Anyway – that's probably uh, enough Colts talk for the rest of the off season. <laughs> Unless we make any massive signings. I'm just, I, I don't want to keep our viewers only on Colts fan as much as I love my Colts. So we jumped to our topic. Zach, I think you had something to say. So go ahead. Bro. So,
1: so I wanted to stay in free agency and stay in the AFC South, but we don't have to talk about the Colts. Where do you guys think? I wanted to get your opinion of where JJ Watt goes. Do you, are there a particular um, spots that you think would, you know, would be really advantageous from them and I mean obviously for the team too with the with the cap hit of someone of that caliber maybe kicking it over to you Do you have, have you thought about a couple of landing spots for JJ Watt
0: um, the one I liked earlier was actually Titans now I don't think JJ's like that resentful towards the Texans and wants to like stick it to them but the little tweet I said suggested Colts and, and uh, Titans to see if he wants to stay in the division. Um, I would like to see the Titans get a nice big impact player on the, uh, the end of that line. Um, uh, Cause I'm a Titans guy. So. I don't think
2: I don't we know. would sign Watt. Yeah, I dude, don't think, I don't, I don't think Ballard would put the money into Watt. And it's not because Watt's not good. It's just, it's not Ballard's MO unless you can get him on a discount. Cause he's willing to come try to win with the Colts. And I just don't think he would take a discount to play with the Colts. I think if I had to guess, I would be surprised if he didn't, Of course, Colts, Titans have have Super Bowl aspirations, so that's why it makes sense that people would talk about him. I'd be shocked if he didn't go to a team that wasn't clearly entrenched as a playoff you know, caliber Super Bowl competitive team. And my mind goes to Wisconsin, obviously, with his Badgers connection and his wife being in Wisconsin. Obviously, Green Bay, you know, the veteran presence of Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and these guys like, I could see him wanting to have a good time and playing with Zadarius Smith and uh, um, the other Smith together and, and kind of create a nice little, um, nice little combination of rushers over there. Or one other one that was interesting to me, and I think maybe Cam brought this up in our, in our group was the Rams. I could definitely see some traction there and not that the Rams have a ton of money to, to shell out, but if he's, if his goal is to win, they could figure out some sort of contract structure to put him next to Aaron Donald and, uh, Uh, With Jalen Ramsey on that defense and with Stafford as their new quarterback and the offensive weapons that they have, we're looking at, like, that would be a great fit, in my opinion. I don't know if he wants to go to L.A., but I would honestly be shocked if he ended up on the Colts or Titans. I I would actually be very, very surprised because I just don't see him leaving Houston to go to Tennessee or India. If he's leaving Houston, I think, like, his aspirations are going to be, like, let me go closer to my family or let me go somewhere where it's, like, a little bit more – a little bit flashier. You know, he spent his whole career – playing for Houston. So I I just, I just see it being a little different personally.
1: Yeah, I could see Packers. I really like that one. I think it would be really interesting to see JJ Watt and uh, Aaron Rodgers play together. You just, even if it's for a couple of years. Um, So that's the one I I personally would really like to see him go to. I I think he's going to go to the, to the Tennessee Titans though. I think, you know, they had the Jadavian experiment, which obviously didn't work out, but I think JJ Watt is maybe a little bit more reliable at this point in time. And uh, and so why not for Tennessee? I think that would be a uh, fun for him to stay in the AFC South. I'm just a little envious over here because Atlanta's sitting here twiddling our thumbs trying to figure out if we if we can even pay Geo Bernard five million dollars. And uh, it's just it sucks knowing that there's many of these other teams that can go ahead and afford guys like J.J. Watt, despite the fact that the NFC sal- or, or the NFL salary caps at what. One hundred and eighty. Then they figured yeah, it was one hundred and eighty. So it went down about fifteen million. So I mean, that is just bad news bears for for Atlanta, knowing that we're paying Matt Ryan and Julio sixty million of that one hundred and eighty million. So we've Start got a trading, whole variety baby. of issues. Start trading.
0: I saw a rumor Zach about Calvin Ridley to Washington. It was just some nonsense, like arbitrary <laughs> uh, trade rumor. But I was like, oh. <laughs>
1: So he's How the guy would, that we're actually going to maintain because he's still on his rookie yeah. deal. But I, I just, I think people have uh, woken up and, and smelt the coffee of uh, Matt Ryan's contract because I think that's the only other contract that's worse than Winces. So yeah, it's it's bad right now on the free agency side of things.
2: One last thing I'll say with, uh, with Watt is a lot of people are saying, oh, he might go play with his brother in Pittsburgh. I don't see that happening at all personally because I just don't, I don't see him Just going there from the family connection because I just don't know if he sees the potential to go win a Super Bowl with the Steelers next year, right? Like, he's far far longer in his career, and I feel like he's accomplished so much as an individual. I would be shocked if his goal wasn't to try to go win. Otherwise, why would he leave Houston? Like, he could have just stayed there, kept making money, and stayed in the town that he loves. But, like, I feel like his goal is going to be to try to go win. Although having both the Watt brothers on the same line would be absolutely ridiculous. so fun to watch and, like, fun to root for. But, you know, I, I just don't see that happening. But, yeah. If um, you guys are done with NFL, I, I was thinking we'd kick it over to NBA because in about 30 minutes, which I'm super excited for, I guess 25 minutes, we got the Nets-Lakers situation. And I just think that's a nice little tee-up to what we think of the East and West right now because, you know, it's, we're, we're getting up to it. Um, don't have to talk about it too much, but Nets been playing really well, moving up, the, moving up the leaderboards in the East. They're a game and a half back from Philly. They're second in the East they've had all kinds of weird situations like Kevin Durant having all his like uh, weird, like COVID exposures and like a hamstring injury. And so him, Kyrie and Harden have only played seven games together. And yet the Nets have been on a run recently and have, uh, have enclosed with with Harden and Kyrie doing their thing last night. Harden was out and, or sorry, Kyrie was out and Harden balled out with against the Suns and they won. So it's just been, it's, it's, that's been a fun experiment. Lakers, Anthony Davis Achilles injury. He is, when I, I don't fully know the prognosis. I think they're just gonna. I think their goal is to just rest them for a couple weeks and then reevaluate them again. They're not gonna rush him back, nor should they. I think their goal is as long as he's healthy by the playoffs, they're probably happy because they'll you know Bron playing like MVP level at his age, which is wild, is is, is gonna keep him afloat. Um, what do you guys think this means for the the state of the NBA? Uh, which teams do you guys think legitimately have a chance to to from what you've seen so far, legitimately have a chance to make it to the end and like truly compete for the finals. Like what, where do you, what are you guys feeling? Cause there's been some interesting developments this season.
0: I really think the number of teams that can genuinely make the finals is like, it's pretty small at this point. Like if I look at the East, um, like I think ultimately when it's all said and done, the Nets will get there. I think the Sixers could, Um I'm not even convinced the Bucs could. I was talking to uh, a shout-out Kevin Smith about this the other day. He's very anti-Bucs. And they just have not looked good lately. And I'm not even convinced that they can make the finals. Obviously, they've always had problems in the playoffs. um, But even this year, like, they don't look that good in the regular season. So I'm not even convinced the Bucs can make it, although that would probably be your third team for sure. So one of those three, I think ultimately the Nets would get it. But I think the Sixers could. I get more convinced every single day, and, and another shout out Michael Dolan who has has a good article out on the Sixers um, as well. So um, and then out west, I love the Jazz. The Jazz are so fun. Um, I don't know. And if AB is out a longer term, I mean, who knows? But um, the Jazz are definitely fun. So you know them, Lakers, Clippers. Again, I, I would probably take the Lakers to figure it out by the end of it, and Braun to end up making it, but you know, I think you're, those are your three out there. So I don't really see any teams outside of that. That could, that could really make it to the finals though.
1: Yeah. So that's probably why I'm so confident on the bucks is because it's, they're having like an inverse season where they're not as good in the regular season. And maybe they just snap into it, come playoff time. So we'll see if that ends up uh, panning out, but on the West side of things, I do really like the jazz, but a team I like even more is Denver. And Obviously, I mean, you're going to have your your L.A. conglomerates most likely find their way in the Western Conference finals. And ultimately, one of them is going to square off in the finals against an East Co- or an East, uh, Eastern Conference team. But one thing I really like, and it's obviously not set in stone yet, is the more I look at the Bradley Beal situation, boys, the more I think he's going to get traded. It's complete political talk. Um, bluffing on Washington's end, they're both just saying, "Oh yeah, we both, you know, really want, you know, we want to keep Bradley, and Bradley's loyal to the organization. I think they're going to try to ship him off while they can. And if he goes to Denver, and Denver could make this work, they could probably spend Carter Williams or, or you know, Michael Carter Jr. send him over and back to Washington. They could use him as a pawn in this trade. It could happen." And I think with Murray struggling a little bit with his inconsistency, but obviously they have Jokic and like I mean, they that three between Beal, Jokic, and Murray would be fantastic.
2: If AD gets healthy and the and the uh, Nuggets make that trade, the Lakers still beat the Nuggets. Like and I, I feel very confident in that because defensively there's nothing they can do. Their problem last year was that Anthony Davis and LeBron James were taking them to town down low because there was nothing absolutely nothing they could do. And making that trade arguably makes them worse defensively. No disrespect to Bradley Beal. He's absolutely amazing. Again, I think he's one of those guys that just doesn't get enough credit because he's stuck on the Wizards. But the man is averaging like 34 points per game. And admittedly, if you're a great offensive player and you're on a team that allows you to shoot the ball as much as you want, your numbers are going to be inflated a little bit. So that, that part of it is, you know, his usage is wild. But I just think like even then, the Lakers would still beat them if they had AD. Um, I'm with Evan on the jazz train. Like you can't sleep on the fact that he won 17 of their last 18 games or something like that. Like it is wild how good they've been playing. And it makes so much sense because their chemistry is, is arguably the best in the NBA. The way that team vibes with each other, Mike Conley is, is stepping it up after being there for a year. Donovan Mitchell's on a mission. Um, you know, Gobert has got his, got got the big man presence down low. They're just a well-rounded, well-oiled deep team. That's a team that could really get fits if AD is out. If AD is healthy, like the only team I see beating the Lakers is the Clippers. The only team I could see beating the Lakers is the Clippers, and that's if the Clippers like play next level in the playoffs. Because even the Clippers, who are supposed to be a team full of depth, have not had the greatest contributions from their from their like role players. Like Lou Williams isn't playing the way that he that he was a year or two ago. Like Montrose Harrell's on the Lakers now. You know, like the Lakers got better from last year, and and the Clippers got worse. And AD, if he comes back, like you're looking at a Lakers team with LeBron. Arguably playing maybe better than he was last year in the regular season in the West. On the East, the Sixers, I'm with you, Ev. Like, they're the team that I see, like, you know, being that competition for the Nets. Um, I mean, they're the one seed. So, technically, we should say the Nets being the competition for them. Embiid has been incredible. Jokic has been incredible. I don't want to take anything away from him. Jokic is, like, unreal as to how, what he is doing as a big man passing the basketball and also scoring it like, like nobody's business. He's been unreal. But the best big man in the NBA right now is is Joel Embiid, and he's one. He's arguably a top five player in the NBA right now with the way. Not even arguably. He is a top five player in the NBA right now, and the way he's bringing it every day, and and his versatility, the his ability to space the floor, the way he's playing defense, the way he's playing offense, like his production. Like they barely lost when he's been on the floor. The only losses they've had recently is when is when Embiid hasn't played. So, um, Sixers are, are are a really really tough out. only thing I will say is Kyrie KD and Durant are all healthy and on the floor and that team starts getting more and more chemistry on the defensive end how is anybody with the exception of the Lakers gonna beat them four times like how do you beat those three together four times and everybody said chemistry wise it was gonna be oh they're gonna struggle to figure it out like everybody knew defensively they're gonna struggle initially but offensively they were like oh they have two ball dominant guys and then you know they have to work with KD and make it work and they've been the best offense in the history of the NBA since (laughs) since day one of them playing together and all of them are balling like Kyrie's averaging like 28 since Harden's been there Harden's averaging like 12 assists since he's been there KD when he's on the floor is just like KD like the dude needs to touch the ball for like two minutes and has like 30 points like it's ridiculous so I, don't, I really don't know how anyone beats the Nets as, as they continue to get better, and there's rumors of them adding a guy like Drummond or another big man, so I'm, I'm really, really curious to see how it shakes out in the East, but tonight is going to be fun because there's no AD, and there's no KD, but there's Kyrie and Harden going up against Braun and the Lakers, and the whole storyline of the offseason has been that comment of Kyrie being like, yo, this is the first time in my career where I can look over at, at somebody and say, that guy should, can take that last shot over me, referring to Kevin Durant, and of course, people took that as a shot to LeBron. And, of course, LeBron and Kyrie are going to be thinking about that. And so I'm really curious to see what that atmosphere is going to be like tonight. As, as a huge Kyrie fan, I'm stoked. Like, I can't wait to watch his game. Um, you know, that, that's, that's where I'm at. So that's, that's my feel for the NBA.
0: The, the Nets just don't defend to your your question on how can anyone beat them. You can beat them because they don't play defense. Period. I mean, they're one of the worst defensive teams in the NBA um, at this point since that trade, if I'm not mistaken. So, But, but Zach, uh, I think you were going to say something.
1: Well, I just wanted to give my a um, uh, correct myself from earlier with the, uh, the double whammy with the Michael Carter Williams and the Michael Carter Jr. I figured I needed to raise the, uh, the Michael Porter Jr. in that and as the trade pawn. And honestly, si, I'm disappointed at myself because we were in an elevator with this man in Vegas. So I already feel like we're best friends with this guy. So, I mean, come on, man. Um, dude, Michael Porter Jr.
2: is about to drop 50 tonight because you said his name wrong. Like, <laughs> yeah. There, every,
1: every time Zach says somebody's
2: name wrong, <laughs> yeah. the dude goes, Jordan Jefferson, bro. Like, Jordan Jefferson, <laughs> Jordan Jefferson. That dude could have been 50 in the years since Zach started calling him Jordan
1: Jefferson. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But um, my I do only know, other point,
0: my, uh, oh, sorry.
1: It, go for it. you all
0: I was just going to say on the Jazz, um, my, my other concern with the Jazz is, like, I feel like that's a team that, that – the, the model they play where they just chuck like a million threes a game won't work in the playoffs to, over the course of a seven-game series against a good defensive Rockets. team like the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, yeah, that was my only other, other point.
1: I guess my final question on the Nets is when James Harden came to Brooklyn – did you honestly think that he was going to take the point guard duties? Because I always figured that Kyrie was going to be point guard and James Harden was going to kind of play that similar position in Houston where, I mean, he was dribbling the ball up, but Russell had demanded it so often that I felt like James was just taking more of a predominantly shooting role. But I, I I guess I was wrong about that, but I always thought that Kyrie was going to be the sole point guard at that organization. Did you guys feel the same way or not? Really?
2: Kyrie's a shooting guard. Like he has been since the beginning of his career, just labeled a point guard. It's similar to like a lot of other guys that are scorers, but you know, they bring the ball up, right? Like he's a shooting guard that brings the ball up. That's what he's been his own whole career because mm-hmm. the dude is arguably, especially for a size, the best three level scorer in the NBA and his ability to, maybe the only guy better than him is Kevin Durant in, the, in his ability to score at all three levels, like under the rim with his layup package, the way he approaches the rim the way he shoots the mid range and the 3 point currently right now. I don't know if you've seen his numbers. The guy is shooting 53% from the floor as an undersized shooting guard. He's shooting 44% from three, sorry, 43% from the free throw line and he's shooting 92% or 93% from the free throw line. His efficiency at his size is, is absurd because he's a scorer. Like that's what he does. And I think Harden taking the weight off and just being the guy that can distribute. And here's the thing. Everybody talks about Harden being ball dominant. And this has been my argument my whole time for James Harden, where I say like, why does Steph Curry get so much credit, but Harden doesn't. Harden is one of the best passers in the NBA. And he is proving it right now in Brooklyn, where he says, I don't care about my 30 points a game. I'm going to go let the game come to me and do what I need to do to win and do what I need to do to be efficient in the offense. And Harden is definitely a better passer than Kyrie Irving. So, and he can bring the ball up just as well as Kyrie and Kyrie can play off ball better because Kyrie has the experience to play a playing next to, for example, LeBron James, like, you know, where LeBron would would have the ball and Kyrie would come off screen and grab the ball and, and do what he does. Right. So it made sense to me from the beginning that Harden would be the one that would be the point guard. And admittedly, there's moments where it's like, all right, Kyrie, you're hot. Like take the ball up and do your thing. But I I, I like, and I mean this with no offense, is my favorite player, but I trust Harden more to like, make the right play and Kyrie to be the guy that scores and, and it's, it's worked beautifully for them. Like Kyrie's getting his shots. He's averaging like 28 points a game since Harden has been there. He's scoring super efficiently. Harden is racking up assists. The offense is just unstoppable for periods of time. And this is. A, um, I like Zach. Uh,
0: my quick hit for you is, is, uh, is Kamaru Usman the best pound for pound fighter in the UFC, not named Habib?
1: Mm. I would say at this point in time, yes, because he's fought legitimate competition. He beat Tyron Woodley for the belt, and he's defended his belt multiple times against the contenders, right? Colby Covington, Jorge Masvidal. Obviously, he wants Jorge again uh, just because that's a big money fight, but I just don't see that fight going any differently. I mean, Camaro is just such a beast – From a wrestling, I mean, he comes with a wrestling foundation, but he's a phenomenal striker, and his jabs feel like right hands. Like when he lands that jab, oh my gosh! That I mean, he just sent Gilbert Burns flying. So I'm not sure what they're gonna try to do with him. Ev, he has vowed to never fight his his Nigerian brother and Israel Adesanya. So they, it's not like he's going to move up a weight division and fight Israel, who's the current champion. Uh, like, you know, like Conor, when Conor had starched the 145-pound division, he then went up to 155 and he was playing with his food then with Eddie Alvarez. Quick, easy victory in 155. Kamaru is almost limited to that degree because he can't cut weight because he's already naturally a big 170 guy. He's not going to go up to 185. So the reason why I think he is the best pound for pound guy is because he's just going to continue to dominate people in his division. But what do you think? What are your thoughts on it?
0: I love it. It's hard. I mean, I'm kind of anti John Jones. Plus, just because of inactivity, I almost think he can't count, even though he's like really, you know, the goat. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think Kamara, like, he gets slept on, but he genuinely deserves to be in that conversation. Like Adesanya is on his way there, but he hasn't done enough yet to, you know, he's just too. Uh, hasn't have enough fights under his belt to deserve it. But um, yeah, man, I think he deserves that kind of talk that, well, that jab on Gilbert was ridiculous. Um, and I'm, I'm the Masvidal fight, man. It's hilarious because usually like UFC fighters, they like talk up this scenario of, Oh, I've been like trying to get this fight and the other guy keeps backing out. And usually I think that's all talk, but in this case, you know, it's a hundred percent factual that Camaro, obviously, it's a huge payday. Plus he was talking about how obviously Jorge, he took that fight on six days notice because he has built an excuse. So it's like he gets a, a, a crack at him, um, but you know if he loses, he has a million excuses he can bring up. So that's why you know he wants that second chance at him to destroy him like he did the first time and probably knock him out this time without that excuse. And you know that is over there like wanting no part of it. So I wholeheartedly believe that this fight will not happen because Jorge wants nothing to do with it because he knows he can't even can't even lay a
2: finger on that guy. So now, exactly. what would be
1: interesting is your boy exactly. Comchek. Oh yeah,
2: I mean to cut you off. Was just gonna say? Where's your love for your boy Mike Chandler MMA man? Where's the love for that guy? Where's the love for him, man? Dude, I heard yeah, him actually. talking that. I saw those highlight reels of him talking that big talk <laughs> like a, a few weeks ago, like you know, yelling at everybody, telling him to give him McGregor, you know.
1: <laughs> that's right so i actually I'm, I'm really appreciative you brought that up because mike chandler went full rick flair in the post game interview or the post fight interview i should say Ooh. but mike chandler congrats on the victory thank you for being a uh, a podcast snippet listener um and, and giving us great feedback on on some of the uh the the clips we sent your way but overall we'll see what he ends up doing in the lightweight division but uh but Ev, final thoughts on ufc before we we end it here. What do you think about Komshek and Leon Edwards? Do you think they end up fighting each other? Or do you think they end up fighting Kamaru at some point in time, or both? I hope so.
0: I mean, it sucks they had to call that fight off. Um, that was going to be an awesome one, but you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, Leon deserves some kind of an opportunity. Like he's Definitely. been waiting in the wings for a long time, and they they can wait on on Comzat. You know, he's so young and, and you know has so much start him to reach so um hopefully Leon gets some kind of a big opportunity um I guess so it's Jorge and Kamara although I don't know, actually I think that's gonna happen so maybe maybe Leon gets Kamara I don't know we'll see what happens but I hope it, he, he deserves a crack and I'm, I'm just tired tired of hearing about you know the fact that he hasn't gotten his chance so
2: hopefully he gets one
1: yeah seriously but uh but outside of that guys you have anything else before we wrap this up
2: that's it for me, man. I feel like we covered a good, uh, good variety of things today. I like it. Um, gents, always a pleasure. I guess I'll sign this off to all the viewers and, uh, and listeners. Now that we can say both, you know, Spotify, YouTube. We'll have more Instagram activity this week. Yeah, that's on me. We're going to want to make that happen. Um, looking forward to having more and more episodes and getting a little more creative as we get closer to other seasons and further away from other ones. MLB coming up soon. More, more exciting news with NBA. And, of course, we'll be talking NFL for as long as we can talk NFL. We'll make stuff up to talk about when it comes to the NFL. With that being said, ladies and gentlemen, I was Mondays Down South.